Arizona Sports, Sports. the local sports sports leader, Burns and Gambo, the 4 o'clock reset, brought to you by Collins Comfort AC and Plumbing, proud home services partner of the Arizona Cardinals, 4 o'clock reset. We are at the turn of the Burns and Gambo show, halfway home on this Tuesday afternoon, and what a Tuesday it's been, busy, a lot of stuff going on. Let's get caught up on everything going on in sports here in the 4 o'clock reset, starting, of course, with the, new, with the news that Sean Payton is headed to the Denver Broncos. Denver Broncos are trading their first-round pick this year, their second-round pick next year, in exchange for Sean Payton and a third-round pick next year. So a first and a second for a coach and a third. That's the deal coming down, Gimba. We have not heard about financial compensation for Sean Payton. I imagine it didn't come cheap. No, and that's, you know, I mean, that's uh, that ownership group with the Walmart money. Like, that's not going to be the problem. That was never the issue, I don't think, was right, the compensation. I, I mean, everybody, you want to Sean Payton, he's won a Super Bowl, he has the cost. It's going to be probably between 15 and $20 million a year. The, the, the price tag of the draft pick compensation was always the hang-up, and the Broncos decided, you know what, the hell with it. We got a tough AFC here. Let's get him and try to win. The first round pick they're giving up is the 30th pick overall in the draft. It comes to the Broncos from the Dolphins in the Bradley Chubb trade, but it's actually the 49ers pick this year, so that's why it's so late in the first round. Then, of course, about five minutes after that news broke, news came out, and it actually came from the Texans themselves, the announcement. This is the worst-kept secret in the NFL. The Texans are hiring 49ers defensive coordinator D'Amico Ryans. He's agreed on a six-year deal for D'Amico Ryans to return to Houston, this time as their head coach, J.J. Watt, who has been very vocal on social media in support of D'Amico Ryans, tweeted out, let's go. You want to re-energize and reignite the incredible Houston fan base? This is a hell of a start. Cannot wait to see what Miko does. One of the best teammates and leaders I've ever been around. Hashtag H-Town. Ooh, absolutely. You know, big support for D'Amico. Kind of had a feeling he was going to get that job, especially when he started to turn down interviews. And, you know, before the championship game, you had a feeling that he had a job coming to him. It's a good job for him with the Texans. He did a great job with the 49ers defense. Had it at the top of the league in many categories. So that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it does. Uh, in the meantime, now other teams are trying to finalize other things. And I, if this is new to the reset. I'm putting this in here on my own. We can talk about it for a moment. According to Mark, Mike Garofolo, the 49ers have requested permission to speak to Steve Wilkes for their defensive coordinator position. He's still under contract with the Panthers. They obviously are going with Frank Reich as their head coach. I wonder if we'll see Wilkes back in the division. That's it. That's real interesting. He's going to get a job as a defensive coordinator because he's a very, very good defensive coordinator. Look, I think he should have got the Carolina job, to be honest with you. I think Steve Wilkes should be the head coach of Carolina. With what he did in an interim basis, he was definitely he was definitely a leader for those guys. They played really, really hard for him. He didn't get the job, so but he will absolutely be a defensive coordinator. As far as Arizona's coaching search, the Cardinals are going to meet on Tuesday. According to reports, they were scheduled to meet today with Giants offensive coordinator Mike Kafka. He's interviewed with three other teams, two of which have hired somebody else. They also have reportedly set up interviews with Bengals offensive coordinator Brian Callahan and Bengals defensive coordinator Lou Anarumo. Reportedly, the Anarumo interview is happening tomorrow, Gambo. Yeah, so by that time, you you get him in there, you finish your interview, 
interviews this week, right? I can't imagine that interviews go anywhere beyond this week. This should be it. The final interview should be done, you know, hopefully in the next 24 to 48 hours. And at that point, now you got to make a decision. You need to, you need to hire a coach. Um, you're not up against it, but you need to hire a coach. You've gone through all the interviews. You're probably not going to have any other interviews. Maybe a second interview with the guy you feel really good about just to make sure, make double sure. Uh, but I would imagine that the, inter- the interview process should be over within the next 24 to 48 hours. Suns and Mikel Bridges edged out the Raptors last night. Mikel scored 29. He was instrumental at the beginning and the end of that game. The Suns in the loss column are now tied with the fourth-seeded L.A. Clippers. They're tied with two other teams in addition. It's still a traffic jam there, Gambo. But a good win for the Suns last night against the Raptor team. We'll talk more later in the show about any potential deals between the Suns and the Raptors. But Mikel was huge for them last he night. He was fantastic. He really did a great job. Got out of the gates on fire in that first quarter. Really came through big time as a playmaker, as a scorer. Scoring at the elbow, scoring, driving to the basket, hitting, knocking down some three-pointers. Instrumental for them. Bench did a really good job in the fourth quarter to kind of, you know, keep the Suns in that game. Toronto had a couple of runs in the third quarter. They had a 12-0 run and an 8-0 run that gave them a control of the game for a little bit, but the Suns fought back and were able to come away with a really good hard-fought victory. The injury report for tomorrow's game against Atlanta, and this won't surprise you because I know the information you had yesterday. Devin Book has been ruled out for tomorrow's game against Atlanta, as has Landry Shamit and Cameron Payne. Yeah, the last update I got was that they, they were hopeful last week that he would be back for one of the games this week. There are four games this week, the two home games and then the two road games. But then I got some other information a few days later saying, look, we want they want to ramp him up. They want to ramp up for about five days. Once they clear him, they want to get him ramped up. So maybe tomorrow they say, okay, they ramp it up. And then you're talking about a five-day period, right around five days, where they just kind of get him ready so that way he could play and not have to worry about any further injuries. All right, college basketball, the latest edition of Bracketology is out from Joe Lenardi of ESPN.com. And not that he is the end-all, be-all. But he's got ASU not in the first four-out category. He's got ASU in the next four-out category. Gambo? Ooh, yeah. I mean, that's they, they've had a – this game against Oregon, these Oregon schools, are they've got to win both of these games at home. As we talked about, the, the final stretch, they got to play UCLA, USC, and Arizona all on the road. That's going to be very difficult uh, for them. They, they might have to win these games and then still have to win a game or two in the Pac-12 tournament to get in. Because as you know, you look at the teams that are out, there's also going to be some teams that make it in the NCAA tournament because they win their conference tournament and come out of nowhere and surprise somebody. And that that hurts those teams that are, that are on the bubble. Yeah, it's a big weekend coming up against the Oregon schools. They will be getting guard DJ Horn back in the lineup Thursday when they take on Oregon State. Here's Bobby Hurley this morning with Bickley Murata. You know, teams uh, you know have a lot of winners in the locker room and have won a lot of games and, and have that expectation and that standard. Uh, when you go through some struggles like this, you know things could boil over. And I think for him, uh, you know personally, he, he has a very high standard for for his quality of play and. Uh, you know, he has not reached that mark the last couple of games. And, uh, you know, following the game, he was highly frustrated and uh, and, and it resulted in, you know, the, the disciplinary action. He and I have had really good conversations over the last couple of days. And he was in practice yesterday. And uh, it's a one-off. And he'll be back in the lineup on Thursday night. Well, 
there you go. Meanwhile, from Arizona basketball, Azula Sabellis has been included in the late season John Wooden Award watch list. Yeah, he you know he was a guy that put his name in for the draft last year, decided to come back, obviously with Benedict Matherin and then uh, Terry and then the the big kid that went to Toronto. They 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 had players that were going in the NBA. Tabellus was not projected to be a first round pick. He was projected to be mid to late second round. So he came back and he's been one of the better players in the country. Now the best player in the country is that kid from Purdue. I, I watched that game over the weekend. That kid is unbelievable. He's like seven four and uh, he's just a fantastic player. But Tabellus to have his name on that list, I think it really goes to show that he made the right decision in coming back to U of A this year. Meanwhile, let's spend a moment or two just making a little bit of fun of this weekend's Pro Bowl because Derek Carr is the latest replacement quarterback for the Pro Bowl, but the one that's getting all the attention is Ravens quarterback Tyler Huntley. He of the two touchdowns all season that he threw. Tyler Huntley, two touchdown passes, has been named as a Pro Bowl replacement for the game coming up this weekend, which is not a traditional game. They've made some of the changes. Flag football. Goodness gracious. Gambo, what are we doing here? I mean, you look at the guys that are on that list, right? You have no Josh Allen, you have no Mahomes, you have no Burrow, you have no Justin Hurry. Go through the list of all the great quarterbacks, and they got Tyler Huntley playing in this game. Wow. Here are your Pro Bowl quarterbacks for this weekend Geno Smith, Kirk Cousins, Jared Goff, Trevor Lawrence, Derek Carr, Tyler Huntley. Those are the Pro Bowl quarterbacks this weekend. I. I think we really need to have a conversation if we're the NFL about what exactly are we doing here? You know, like what 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 are we what are we trying to accomplish? Money. When those are the six Pro Bowl quarterbacks. Just find a way to make some extra revenue with this thing. Reward some, pl- but when you're rewarding players like this, it's like okay, why bother? Come on, everybody knows it's a joke. Yep, agreed. Starting next Monday, listen for your name every day next week to qualify for your chance to win tickets to Super Bowl 57. Text the word SUPER to 620-620, register, and then once you've heard your name, call in within time frame, and you could be headed to Super Bowl 57. Plus, you'll also win tickets to the following events, the FanDuel Party, the Bud Light Music Fest, and the Super Bowl Experience as well. So text the word SUPER to 620-620. It's Arizona Sports All access is presented by Bud Light and FanDuel. So, no Sean Payton. What the heck do the Cardinals do now? That's next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. One other thing about Sean Payton going to Denver, and and it doesn't have anything to do with the Cardinals. It doesn't really have anything to do with anything, but given that we're so attuned to insiders and inside information, and because that's kind of the currency of the, the world that we live in right now on, on media, Gambo's so good at it, obviously. I, I just got to pass this along because there are two very different stories out there about this, this Sean Payton thing. All right, Here's Adam Schefter who tweeted out today that, quote, the timing of today's two hires was completely coincidental. The Broncos were zeroed in on Sean Payton and didn't make any contact this week with D'Amico Ryans or his agent. Denver was focused on Payton and Houston was focused on Ryans. Here's Ian Rappaport, NFL insider for NFL.com. Unbelievable. 
The Broncos spent today trying to hire D'Amico Ryans again before he recommitted to the Texans. When he agreed to terms with the Texans, they moved on and finalized Sean Payton. So, what? So I've got, yeah, yeah, I've got one NFL insider telling me the Broncos zeroed in on Sean Payton all week long, and, and that was that. I've got another NFL insider who's saying the Broncos actually reached out to D'Amico Ryans again today. Try to talk him into the job, and when he wasn't having it, they then turn their attention back to Sean Payton. This is crazy. It's crazy because somebody's very, very wrong on this one. No, you know the somebody team is, is never going to say that they were trying to hire Ryan's first. They're going to say Sean Payton was their guy from the get-go. So that's what that's what's going to happen. The Broncos are going to say, you know, if a, if a if a guy is talking to somebody in the Broncos brass, they're going to say that was our guy. You know, we you know we're just working on the compensation. Now, clearly, they had been working on it because of the two different scenarios that were put forth in the trade. So obviously, they it's not like this came together just this morning. Oh, you know what? We didn't get D'Amico Ryan's. Let's see what we can do in New Orleans. To get to the point, like you said, where there were two options available, a first and a second, or a, uh, and then you get a third back, or a first and a fourth, that stuff takes time to negotiate. Sure. So yeah, that yeah. wasn't something that was thrown. So th- there's no way possible that anybody can sell us on the Broncos weren't negotiating with Mickey Loomis in New Orleans for the last few days. They obviously were to have a scenario in which there were two trade options available. And Rappaport did acknowledge that in another tweet that he sent out. He said, okay, so here's the Broncos the last few weeks. They zeroed in on D'Amico Ryans. They secretly tried to lure Harbaugh from Michigan. They negotiated a Sean Payton deal. They tried to hire Ryans again. They finalized the hire of Payton as their new head coach. So he's he's making it sound like, yeah. and again, one of them's really right and one of them's really wrong. But Schefter's saying, yeah, no, it was Payton all along. And Rappaport's making it sound like that the Broncos were, okay, this guy, no, how about that guy? Okay, let's negotiate what the price would be for Sean Payton. But let's go back to D'Amico Ryans one more time just to be sure it's not going to be him. I don't know which is accurate, but it's crazy that two of the premier quote-unquote insiders are so different about this. Usually they're kind of in lockstep with how these things are being reported. Not in this circumstance, yeah, though. It's, listen, it's unusual. The Denver Post says, although they didn't con- conduct a formal second interview, sources said the side kept in touch throughout the process as Peyton visited Carolina and Arizona for interviews, and Denver worked through other options, including San Francisco defensive coordinator D'Amico Ryans. Now, it's it's not unusual for a team to, if, you're, if you don't know if Sean Payton's going to end up in Arizona or Carolina, to start working on you, who could be your fallback, right? You, you, know, you don't want to be blindsided, so you like two guys, you start to have some conversations, what would it take to get done, how about this, how about that, and that way, just in case Sean Payton ended up, you know, going to another job, well, then you make a full play for D'Amico Ryan, so it's not, un- you, you know, you don't want to get love told in the bag there, so it's, again, not unusual that you, you talk to a few different people that you like and try to figure out what it would take to get a job done, you focus on one, but you always have to have a fallback plan just in case you don't get them. Okay, so how exactly it happened, and I admit it, it's largely irrelevant. It's just more fascinating to see two NFL insiders be on such different pages. At the end of the day, the only thing that matters is what happened, and what happened is Sean Payton's going to Denver, and he's not coming to the Arizona Cardinals, and the compensation is a first and a second 
for Sean Payton and a third. Uh, for Denver, they're giving up their first round pick this year. It's number 30 overall. They're giving up next year's second round pick. They're getting back Sean Payton. They're getting back a third round pick next year. Denver will not have a pick until I think it's 64 and 65 in this year's draft in order to hire Sean Payton. Now the Cardinals move forward and they've got two interviews scheduled, three interviews scheduled this week. Two of them are with the Cincinnati guys. This is Jay Morrison. He's the Bengals beat writer for the athletic website. This is him talking about Lou Anarumo, the defensive coordinator. I mean, it's kind of shocking that there hasn't been a lot of love. You watch what he's done, not just this year, but last year in the playoffs. I mean, that that run to the Super Bowl last year, everybody talks about Burrow. That was the defense that took them there. Nine turnovers, just this incredible job of pivoting. They, they go from all they can't stop Derrick Henry to completely shutting him down. Then you turn around and you go to Arrowhead and play Patrick Mahomes and, and just really fluster him, uh, hold him to three points in the second half. It's just it's remarkable what he's been able to do. It is a surprise that his name hasn't come up more as a head coaching candidate, given the success they've had there. I'm totally, by it. totally. But you know, maybe that's that's the point. You're like, okay, look at maybe people are tuning into what he did last year in this year and say, we got to interview you before we hire anybody. Let's 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 talk to Lou. Let's talk to Lou and see what we can do. He's not the sexiest name out there. He's not the young stud guy. He's fifty six years old and he's had a lot of success. But they put the request into interview form. They're going to interview him. He's been called a Bad scientist, uh, you know the, the the Bengals last year. You can talk all you want about Joe Burrow, but that defense gets a ton of credit for how well you know that they, they, they did and getting them to the Super Bowl. So, uh, listen, I'm all for hiring a defensive guy. I'm all for hiring a guy that can get the most out of Zayvon Collins, Isaiah Simmons, Byron Murphy, Zach Allen, Buda Baker, and all the resources that they put into this defense. I, I'm all for that, creating a pass rush and giving yourself a chance to win because you know great defenses win you a lot of football games. Then there's the offensive guy for the Bengals. Here's Jay Morrison on their offensive coordinator, Brian Callahan, who, according to reports, is interviewing with the Cardinals on Thursday. He's worked with Peyton Manning. He's worked with Matthew Stafford, now Joe Burrow. He has done a terrific job. There's this, this sense that, that he's not a play caller here in Cincinnati. Zach Taylor calls the plays, but it's, it's a shared duty. They, they, they like to say they share a brain, and they do. They see things the same way. Um, he's really been instrumental in what this team has been able to do but I, I guarantee when they walk out of those interviews or when they log off of those interviews I don't know if they're if they're coming to Arizona if they're doing them virtually but the, the Cardinals are going to be impressed both of these guys and that's what got Zach Taylor the job. Reportedly Anarumo is headed here I don't know about Callahan but Anarumo is reportedly I think he's here or reportedly on his way here today to interview face to face tomorrow yeah for whatever that's worth. Well, Callahan's an interesting name he was the quarterback's coach when the Broncos won the Super Bowl in 2015 with Peyton Manning. So not the offensive coordinator, but he uh, he is Callahan is supposed to have a second interview with the Colts. Um, and again, you know, maybe his time with Peyton and he was with Detroit. I think he was with the Raiders. So definitely a second interview with the Colts. So might he might be the favorite for the Colts job. But interested that Cincinnati could possibly lose both their OC and their DC just a few days after losing the AFC championship game.
And then, according to reports as well, Mike Kafka was having his interview today with the Cardinals. He, of course, is the Giants offensive coordinator who was kind of able to turn Daniel Jones around. You know better than anybody as a Giants fan yes. the work that Kafka was able to do there. He, he's a name who's been kind of rising up in the coaching ranks the last couple of years. I think people think he'll be a head coach sooner rather than later in this league in the next couple of years. Yeah, no, he did a really good job getting the most out of Daniel Jones. Uh, absolutely. So, you know, the Cardinals are going to interview him. And he's a younger guy, an offensive guy. So when you start to look at, you know, guys that you think, okay, who could get the most out of Kyle? There's a lot of people out there that want an offensive guy because they want to get the most out of Kyler Murray. And then, and that investment that the Cardinals have in Kyler Murray. Mike Kafka, being a former quarterback in this league, played a few games, but he was in this league for about five years. Being a quarterback guy, you might feel like, okay, he's, you know, he's different. As long as he's different from Cliff, he might have the best chance of getting the most out of Kyler. And just a refresh of the names that have already been spoken to by the Cardinals. Steelers assistant Brian Flores, Broncos defensive coordinator Ejiro Aviro, Lions defensive coordinator Aaron Glenn. His name came up again over the weekend from CBS insider Jonathan Jones as a possibility for the Cardinals. And then, of course, defensive coordinator Vance Joseph, who was one of the first interviewed and is still... At least on the list, whether he's in the mix or not, I don't know. But John Payton, no. Frank Reich, no. D'Amico Ryans, no. Dan Quinn, no. That's latest, the very latest as we know it with the list and the Cardinals head coaching search. When we come back, Mikel Bridges knew he was feeling it last night. And for anybody watching, you could tell he was feeling it last night. Is this the Mikel that we're going to see in April, May, and if we're all lucky, June? That's next on the Burns and Gambo Show. And Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. It's been a fast moving Tuesday edition of the Burns and Gambo Show. We've had a lot happening today with the Peyton to the Broncos news, to Miko Ryan's to the Texans, some people out there, and uh, I don't think this is nuts, totally nuts, believing the Texans shop might actually be better because you will have a quarterback on a rookie-level deal and not somebody who's making a quarter of a billion dollars eating up all your salary cap space. Plus, they have all their draft picks, whereas the Broncos now you know, are missing so many of them because of the Wilson deal and now the Sean Payton deal. A lot going on. Um, lots to talk about. Let's send it back to the auction community studios where Eric is standing by. He's got our Twitter poll question of the day. Burns and Gambo need to know Twitter poll update presented by Sanderson Ford. Now we've got rooms. What's up? We've got two for you today, Burnsy. We're just going to go with one now so you guys can get to this topic. If you want to let us know what you think about the package the Broncos traded for Sean Payton, if it's an overpay, underpay, go to at Burns and Gambo. But this was our original question today before we got all off the rails with breaking news. Come playoff time, will Mikhail Bridges be the second best player? On the Phoenix Suns. Yes or no? No. Who is? Chris Paul. Got to be Chris Paul. For them to win a championship, it's got to be Chris Paul. Future Hall Um, of Famer. Is it more likely to be Chris than Mikhail with the way we've seen Mikhail step up? 
Yeah, Mikhail's going to draw some some incredible defensive assignments in the playoffs. He does it on a regular basis, but in the playoffs, I mean, that's that's going to be big assignments. I listen. He need, if he's the third best player on the team, that's fine. But to me, that if he's the second best player, that would mean Chris has slipped quite a bit, and I don't know if they can win if Chris doesn't get back to playing at a high level. I, I don't think they can win if Chris isn't playing at a high level. I'll totally agree with that. It's, it's just a question of whether I think Chris is going to have enough gas in the tank to be able to be the second best player come playoff time because it's been an issue the last couple of years for him, and I, I wonder if it's going to be an issue again. But I, I, I'll, I'll explain when we get into the Mikel Bridges topic. I'm also going to vote for Chris Paul. I, I don't think Mikel will be the second best player on the Suns come playoff time. What's the audience say? I hate to break it to you guys. You guys are usually men of the people, but not today. 69.4%, a rather large majority, going with Mikael Bridges will be the second best player on the Suns come playoff time, meaning 30.6% think no. Mm, interesting. You can find it on the Burns and Gambo Twitter page. At Burns and Gambo, one word on Twitter is where you can find it. Bridges last night, 29 points in the Suns win against the Toronto Raptors. He was terrific. He was unstoppable in the first quarter of that game, and then he hit two really big shots at the end, the kind of clutch shots that we normally see Chris take or Devin take. Mikel was taking them. He was making them. He did it in overtime against the Spurs. Here's Chris Paul after the game, Gambo, talking about how Mikel matured when Book and I were both out. I think the stretch where there was not me and Book, you know what I mean? Like, I had been out, Book had been playing, Book had been out, and I had been playing, but when we both were out, there's a lot of responsibility on him, you know? And so, uh, one time during the game tonight, I just, we was on the bench, and I said, it's crazy having to try to make every play, ain't it? <laughs> you know what I mean? Because he, he, he plays every night, he guards the best defender, I mean, the best offensive player every night, and we need him to do that. So, Kind of big time player. Yeah. Will he be a big time player like that? come the playoffs for the Suns? That's the question. I mean, and that, that would be the answer to that third guy, right? I mean, we've talked so much about adding another player. Now, we don't know what the Suns are going to do with the trade deadline, but adding another player who can pick up the scoring slack if Devin Booker's taken out of the game or if Chris Paul's taken out of the game was imperative. You needed to have that guy. It's one of the things, well, that's why we've talked about guys like Bogdanovich, to have that other scorer. Well, if Mikhail is able to do that, if you look at Mikhail now and saying, guys, that's our option. That's our option. It's it's internal. We don't have to go out. So it's internal. Then I think that that solves a lot of the issues because you know if he could go get your twenty to twenty five, you know, in, in an important game, that takes a lot of the pressure off of Booker and Paul if those guys you know are are struggling in a, with a bad matchup or they're taken out of a game. Yeah, his. It's just a question for me of, and the reason why I voted the way I did on the poll question is I. I'm a big believer, a big big believer, that it's one thing to do something in the NBA in January. It's one thing to do it in February. It's quite another to do it in April. Yeah, it's quite another to do it in May. I, and it's just it's just a different game. The amount of pressure is different. The amount of Tension is different. It's just all ratcheted up to another level. And again, the reason why I answered the question the way I did, Chris Paul is used to that. Okay, Mikel's played plenty of playoff games too, but Chris Paul 
is used to being the guy in moments like that. He knows what it's like to be the guy there. He knows what to expect with that. He hasn't always performed the way we wanted him to. That's, I think, the reason why we're asking the question, because Mikel has emerged so much. I think to just assume that Mikel is going to be this guy in April or May because he's doing it in January, I'm just not there. You know, I, 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 And I love Mikel. Mikel, I, I don't want to say a bad word about him because he's maybe one of the most likable, you know, not only Phoenix Suns, but likable athletes. We've played professional sports in the Valley in the last 10 years. We all love Mikel Bridges. But being this 20-point-per-game scorer and shooting the way he is, I, I have to sure. I have to see him doing that in April and May every single night to believe that that's actually what he's going to well, be because it's just a different animal. Put it this way. He played in 13 playoff games last year. You know how many times he scored more than 20 points, 20 or more? Once. One. He scored once. Games against the Dallas Dallas Mavericks in the playoffs last year. 33 minutes, 3 for 11, 6 points. 31 minutes, 2 for 7, 7 points. 32 minutes, 3 for 9, 6 points. Those were three of the games he had against the Mavericks. There was a 4 for 11 game for 8 points against New Orleans. Now, he had decent games, you know, 17 and 18. and But only once did he score 20 or more points out of 13 playoff games. Matter of fact, in the Dallas series, he shot 27.8% from three-point range. He made five out of 18 three-point attempts. He shot 27.8% from three-point range. So he's got to be better than he was last year, right? For them, for him to be able to step up and be that number three guy, there can't be a 6.7.6.8 point game. He had four games under 10 points in the playoffs last year. Can't yeah. do that if you want to if you want to be the number 3 guy, you can't have four games in which you don't even score 10 points. And there's no question that the numbers he's put up over the last 9 games are legit number 2, number 3 guys. I just I just did a quick, you know, the quick add up here. The last 9 games, he's averaging 23 points per game. He's shooting 90 2% from the free throw line. He's shooting 43, almost 44% from the three-point line. 50% from the floor. He's been magnificent. Five assists, uh, two turnovers. He's been great. Um, but I, I'm glad you looked up those playoff numbers because that's, you know, I, I'm just, I'm just going to need a little more proof come actual time. And, and I don't, I don't want... I don't want Mikel's emergence to stop the Suns either from doing something at the trade deadline. Like I, I would, I would hate for them to go. You know what? Never mind. We don't need to do anything. We got it. We're good. We got Mikel. I, I, I just think there's not enough evidence yet to be able to say that Mikel's got this and he's going to be the guy come playoff time for you to not make a deal if you're the Suns. I think you have to still operate according to whatever plan you had before Mikel went on this crazy hot. It's been great. It's been so much fun to watch. He was so much fun to watch last night. I think the other thing too. The minute Devin Booker comes back, you know this changes a little bit, right? Like it, it's just it's going to change the whole dynamic on the floor when Booker and Paul and Bridges are all out there at the same time, trying to figure out who takes the shots in those moments. It's going to take some time to adjust to that, to readjust to that. Yeah, absolutely, and I think that's where you know you get everybody back. 
The, um, the only guy I'm worried about now is campaign because that's right. Still in a boot. Doesn't seem like he's real close. So I'm a little concerned about that. But look, books on his way back. You've got Cam back. You got Chris back. You know, now you've got to take this time and you've got to just, you know, Monty's figuring out rotations. A lot of these role players are getting ample opportunities. I think you've found out now that you can count on Dario a little bit. You found out that Damian Lee is a really good corner three and he can help you. Bismack Biombo is is a terrific option for you defensively, you know, blocking shots and protecting the rims. I think with all of these guys out, Monty is, we talked about it the other, that many guys that used, he used, used 11 guys in the first quarter the other game, the other day. It's like he's finding out a lot about his roster right now with these guys out. That's a good thing, but I do think eventually when you when you take that rotation, you dwindle it down to, to eight or nine players, you know, that's where it's important, like over these next few, two months, to get everybody in sync and know what you want to do. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, it's going to be one of the most talked about positions in all of the NFL this offseason. The quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers. Who will the Cardinals see next year playing that position? We'll talk about it next. Burns and Gambo. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. This is Christian McCaffrey. Said this about a week ago or so. Talking about his current quarterback, Brock Purdy. Yeah, he's got a killer instinct. Uh, He's calm, but he's extremely confident. Uh, He's everything you would want in your quarterback. He demands the huddle. Uh, He's patient. He's hard on himself. Um, He's able to extend plays, and and he's been an impressive rookie. Not even a rookie anymore, but he's an impressive player to watch and share the huddle with. Obviously, we all know how it ended with the elbow injury, and and of course, we don't even know the long-term ramifications of Brock Purdy in that elbow injury if he needs uh, reconstruction on his elbow. He could be out a long, long time. If it's just a repair, he could be ready in time for training camp. But that's this is not, Gambo, when talking about the 49ers quarterback situation, obviously division rival for the Cardinals, this isn't just a conversation about Brock Purdy versus Trey Lance and who's going to get the gig and what's going to happen there. This is very much a Tom Brady conversation, and already the NFL and its reporters are starting to have the conversation. Is finally the time right for Tom Brady to go to San Francisco and be the next quarterback of the 49ers. Wow. Is this the year it's going to happen? Every, not everybody. I don't want to make it oversell it. Many people are talking about this right now, it seems like, with articles that are being written, words that are being said, wondering if it's going to happen this offseason. Yeah, listen, you know, me and you have a bet on it. I think Tom Brady is going to play next year. I do. I think he's going to play. I don't think it's going to be in Tampa, but it could be with the Raiders. It could be with the 49ers. You know, there are several teams that will look at Tom Brady and feel like, okay, I'm a quarterback away. Uh, you know, I mean, look, Aaron Rodgers is probably going to play somewhere outside of Green Bay, uh, and he's 39 years old. But yeah, I don't think Brady, I don't think Brady will pack it in yet. I think he'll come back for one more season, give himself a chance to win. That would be incredible to win three Super Bowls with three different you know, Super Bowls with three different teams. He'll pick the right situation for him. San Francisco's home. I, I could see it happening. I mean, if you're the 49ers, the Lance injury, the Garoppolo injury, the Purdy injury, you could buy yourself some time, get Brady just for one year, still hold on to Lance, still hold on to Purdy, let Garoppolo go, and then when, when Brady's gone, then you choose between Purdy and Lance. 
Yeah, I mean, that's one of a half dozen different scenarios that could possibly play out on this one. I'm going to read to you a tweet from Tim Kawakami, who uh, covers Bay Area sports for The Athletic. He tweeted out earlier this morning, quote, This is very different than what happened in the 2020 offseason when Tom Brady was very interested in coming to the 49ers, but the 49ers weren't as interested. Now, he's the perfect immediate fix at quarterback for the 49ers, and we shall see what occurs. Mike Sando of The Athletic wrote a story about this today in which he talked to a bunch of unnamed executives, anonymous executives, about what they think might happen. One of them suggested, I think they're just going to trade Trey Lance to Tennessee, and they'll end up with Brady, and it'll be Brady as the starter, and it'll be Purdy as the backup kind of understudy to Tom Brady, and they'll give it a year, and they'll see if this roster, which is just so good top to bottom and really just needs somebody steady and consistent like Tom Brady, if they're one guy away from winning a Super Bowl champion. And this one guy predicted that's what they're going to do. Now, there were other predictions as well. One person predicted that they're not going to go get Tom Brady, and they're just going to make Brock Purdy and Trey Lance battle it out in training camp. I don't know. I, I, I made that bet with you a long time ago. I regret it now. Uh, if I could go back and erase a bet that I've made with you, I would erase that bet because I think Tom Brady is going to play for the San Francisco 49ers next year. Um, that wasn't the set of circumstances when we made it. Boy, I wish I could take it back now, that's for sure. Yeah, I, I, the fact that he hasn't retired yet, that he's waiting and waiting and waiting, to, to me would lend that. Cause if he was going to retire and he knew it, he would just kind of retire, right? J.J. Watt retired. He knew he was going to retire. Like He, he knew it in his heart, he announced it, and he he got that done. I think you know now maybe Brady's more like Fitz, like you know I'm not I don't need a farewell party or anything like that. When I decide to retire, I'll retire. So maybe he's more like Fitz instead of JJ Watt. Not sure, but look, he, he's he's not the same quarterback he used to be, but he's still really good. Like he's still good. Like he's still he's still capable of winning a lot of football games, throwing for four thousand yards, and and leading a team. You put him with Debo Samuel. Brandon IU, Christian McCaffrey. That's a roster that's, and that defense is great. So, I, I, yeah, I think that they'd be the favorites in the NFC next year if they were able to get them. Well, I mean, it's it's hard. It's easy to say that given that, I mean, look at the NFC Championship game last year, NFC Championship game this year, the, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo last year, Brock Purdy this year. I mean, it, it's, they're so good. They're, it's almost, like they're at this other level with how good they are in terms of roster evaluation, talent evaluation, roster construction, how they put it all together. Um, now, I, look, I thought Brady looked a little more cooked than you did in Tampa Bay. I, I, I certainly think putting him in San Francisco with greater talent around him would rejuvenate him and would look make him look a little bit better. There, there were t- I, you know, you and I had a bet on that Tampa Bay Buccaneers Cowboys game, that playoff game, and yeah, the talent around him was thin. He looked terrible. I thought he looked so old in that game, like he just couldn't throw for me to you without throwing it to the ground, not exactly knowing where it was going. But the fact that it's his hometown team, the one that he grew up rooting for, that they've always kind of missed connections and not been able to hook up with each other at the right time, and it all just kind of is you know coming into place now, I think it's going to happen, and I, I you know 
The Cardinals have their own mess to deal with. It's not like I'm going to sit here and go, oh, I'm scared of the Niners. Now, the Niners are fantastic. I'm scared of them anyway. But I think that could be the piece that gives them the Super Bowl if he and, were to go And it there. just and buys I, them more time to figure out if Purdy or Lance is the long-term answer. But you move on from Garoppolo. You bring Brady in. And then, you know, Purdy's going to be out for six months. He could be the backup for you next year. Him and Lance. And, you know, they could be your number two, number three quarterbacks until you figure out, you know, which guy's going to be your number one. I wouldn't even be surprised, honestly, if he took a discount, a literal hometown discount to go to the San Francisco 49ers. Wouldn't be surprised at all. If he took far less. Yeah, I would I, I would agree. I would agree with that. I would I don't you think know, he'd be looking to break the bank. I think he'd be looking to Yeah, no, you're probably right. He probably doesn't come in as a top seven or eight paid quarterback in this league. Probably somewhere between ten and fifteen. When we come back, Dan Quinn. Nope. Frank Reich. Nope. Sean Payton. Nope. That's next on the Burns and Gambo Show.